who I'm going to let introduce himself because nobody can do it just. <laughs> All right. Hey, everyone. I'm Lawrence Henderson from Business Operational Support, LLC, aka Boss. How's everybody doing today? So excited to have you here and do this with you. So people who know, I've been doing like a weekly video for several months, but it's mostly just been me yakking about whatever, you know, I was in the mood to yak about. And it was, you know, kind of fun until I got tired of listening to the sound of my own voice. And I like the sound of Lawrence's voice way more. So what we decided was we're going to, you know, get on here together and maybe do a little coaching mystery box and see if we can toss out topics to exactly. see Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, thank you, first of all, for thinking of me to do awesome, awesomeness with. Um, and I have a doozy for you today. Yes. Mystery box number one. Uh, how do you navigate through shame? Ooh. Oh, man, you went straight for the heart <laughs> of like 20 years of Brene Brown work. Holy mackerel. Okay. Well, oh, this is a tough one, right? Because yeah. nobody, nobody has uh, great natural inclinations when we're in shame. Like that's that brings out the worst in everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So okay. So what I would say is, um, on a just a pure like, what have I learned as I've gotten older and hopefully a little wiser is um, actually something that Brene Brown talks about. It's recognizing your own physical symptoms so that you stop yourself from opening your mouth. Cause what I, you know, my inclination because I'm a talker is to speak first and regret later. <laughs> um, nothing prompts that like, yeah. So recognizing like that for me, it's usually a pit in my stomach and I can feel my skin getting hot. Um, my hands, my palms will get clammy. And so like the fact just keeping the presence of mind to recognize those symptoms and deep breath, count to 10 and defer commentary. Like yeah. all, it's just for me, that's been the most important one because my biggest, most regrettable decisions all came from a moment of just acting impulsively yeah. in, in shame. So for me, shame will usually show up as anger, right? So a lot of people yeah. will retreat and, yeah. you know, said or turn it on themselves and I come out swinging like yeah baseball bat and that and I make a mess when I do so yeah wow. so I, I take a different spin on it right like yeah. I, I am the I come from a place of I'm not apologizing or regretting anything and so what someone would categorize it should be shame I rationalize it I 100% make it a part of everyday life and it's like, and up until lately, of in the, some of the work you're talking about is a lot of self-awareness, right? And it's being present to know that, you know what, that, that just wasn't productive. Where in rationalization, you have, like, I'm, I was more susceptible to repeating mm -hmm. things because I was, I was making it okay for myself to live in that world. And then I got even worse with the shame. I began to compartmentalize success. And so things, yeah, so I was never addressing anything. I was just, man, I was making a humongous triple stuffed Oreo out of this stuff where I would have a couple successes. I would do some real good work on some, on some attitude adjusting things and speaking better to people. But then I had this stuffing and it just was, the Oreo was becoming huge. And then up, 
throw a success in there, sandwich that baby together. And I'm like, you know what? It makes sense for, for me to have that, that big of stuffing and that mush of all this mess that I didn't want to deal with because let's be honest, I just didn't know how to navigate it. I wasn't taught how to call it out first, give it a name, right? What is it? Where does it come from, right? Your anger, right? That's a feeling, that's an attitude, that's a motion. Call that thing out, but then like, well, where did it come from, right? And once I began to coach in that and be present to why did that? Why did I react that way? And was it the high school coach who didn't see me correctly, or I invested so much energy in their affirmation and it like it carried so much weight. And when I didn't get it, it just repeated itself over time. And now as a professional, I identified with not getting something with from someone versus being like you said, getting to that point where, and I love Brene Brown's work as well. And talking about vulnerability and shame, um, but getting to that place where it's like, okay, it's okay not to be okay, yep. but I'm not going to stay here and making a decision to get out of it. So that that's the part that I love. And this is why, this is why I adore the crap out of you, dude, because <laughs> you and I both have a, okay. It's one thing to um, not be sure how to proceed when you haven't figured out what, what's really going on, right? You haven't exactly. dug in. Once you know, no excuses at all. all deal with that. And that to me has been like, that's the thing that I love about getting older, right? Like I can look back when I was in my twenties and I can see how I reacted to things in the moment. And I was super <laughs> volatile. And, and you know what it is like, I didn't understand to your point. I didn't understand what was triggering me or yeah. what, was, what I was trying to prove. And now I look back and I'm like, Oh geez. Like I, the, well, the pattern is so clear. Oh my gosh all dimensions of my life. But now I'm like, no, I know what my biggest triggers are. So when I, when I start realizing that my palms are getting clammy and I have yeah. a knock, it's not a hard stretch for me to pinpoint what it was that just happened. And, and especially now that I'm clear about the things that will instantly just shut, like I go into lizard brain mode because yeah. they drive me to such an emotional extreme so quickly. <laughs> I know, I know to call a timeout. So one of the best things I learned in my previous in my marriage actually was to um, use a code word when I'm mm. like with the point of being I've, I'm too emotional and so that doesn't yeah. obviously work with everybody but with the people in my life sure. where we're involved in complicated stuff yeah. when I feel myself hitting that point where okay I cannot have rational productive conversation like I want to show up curious and genuine and and compassionate and empathetic and I don't yeah. want to be a jerk which I'm capable of being like anybody else you know <laughs> I'm okay now saying, you know what, this is a really important conversation and I want us to have this, but I need 10 minutes because I got to yeah. my thoughts and I don't want to say something that, that is harmful yeah. and serve our greater purpose. And right. I think that, that I could never have done when I was younger. God, yeah. that's so much time and effort and yeah. shit up. Well, and, and here's, here's the thing that I would say to anybody that's out there that's looking for, you know, a higher understanding, it's, it's seeking to understand, right? It's taking that position of what did I say that made Alora need to take a timeout, right? And then when we come back together, when you've had your, your break, right? And again, understanding you, whether you're a relationship coaching or anything like that, 
understanding what a timeout is and why and what was said. So when you come back together, what was it about the thing I said or the activity that happened that you needed to take a timeout? Because again, when we're processing through shame, when we're processing navigating our own mess and mush, we don't stay present to the assumption that somebody else understands what I was processing, right? And so when we say timeout, they're really timeout and they're really waiting to come back to the conversation. But what needs to happen in any communication, whether it's in the corporate world or in relationships, both people need to remain present to ask powerful and insightful questions so that, and again, at the end of the day, we get angry when we don't feel heard, I don't feel listened to, and, and again, particularly people who are navigating through shame, they've already compiled a, a list of things that they haven't done right, haven't gone well for them in life and business and all the rest of these things. And I'm already guarded, right? I've already built up these walls. And then when you aren't present for me, it makes it worse. You begin to feed the gremlin at midnight and they're turning into these crazy animals that are scrambling around my brain and all, and I'm living in a perpetual world of confirmation bias. It's just constant. And it's like, how do I get off of this wheel of just, ah, that's all I could describe it. If that was a word that, ah, that's what it would, that's what it would be written out. It would just be one word like that. Right. And it's, ah, gotta love it. Well, I mean, I love what you just said too, because confirmation bias is one of those things we talk about, like, like in very businessy context. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's what like our shame, all of our shame triggers are so about that. It is, it is exactly. something else confirming our worst belief in our, about ourselves. Boom. And it's like, Oh my God, you know, that's, and there's a reason that yeah. other people don't realize they're triggering it by doing something sometimes super benign. And, we, and exactly. You're like, Whoa, that, that was an outsized reaction for, yep. and it, because you just completely showed me yeah. all the stuff I hate seeing about myself. Man. And it's the, so I call that the, like, and again, you probably say it too. It's the baggage, right? It's, it's the emotional baggage. It's the work hurt. It's all, it's, I mean, church hurt, work hurt, whatever organizations you've had, organizational hurt. You, you're just dragging dead bodies behind you in every single relationship that things that you haven't cut loose and you can't figure out why momentum is slowing down, well, just turn around and look like all the things you have behind you that are keeping you from your best life. And it's one of those scenarios where when we begin to do the work, and again, I can't stress enough, it's as simple as take time to journal, to write down, to communicate with yourself. Uh Uh-oh, got my doggy. So while uh, while Lawrence is uh, taking care of the dog, yeah, oh my God, my bad, y'all, my bad. <laughs> That's craziness. Um, but yeah, she wanted to get in on a work hurt thing. Um, she was all over it, right? Um, yeah, but it's it's one of those things. Like, and I think for me, in my one of one of my um, vulnerable moments was you know identifying that I thought I was really good at leading people, um, but I, I led from a place of my strengths um, and not, I didn't lead out of, out of my weakness. 
and allow people to be for me what I wasn't and overlap strength, right? And, and so from that, empathy was a word I couldn't spell, um, nor could I, you know, pronounce it very well. It was just like, it was like throwing up anytime I said it, it was like empathy. Um, and, but I had a friend tell me, it's like a two-edged sword. It's cutting going in and it's cutting coming out. And, and a, the old definition for me was being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and, you know, connect with them that way. And I was like, and then as I began coaching, I was like, that's the dumbest <laughs> definition of empathy. Like, I'm like, why, who made that a thing that I could put? I said, I've never been a woman, never, never been a white woman. I don't think I've ever, I ever will. <laughs> you think? <laughs> so, so how can I say I'm a Laura? Like, how can I know what a Laura's shoes feel like? Like, I'm, no, I'm going to hold the space for a Laura. And I'm going to let a Laura know I'm present. So I, yeah, go ahead. So I love that part because empathy is something that is a huge struggle for me. Like I, yeah. I, I, I do a lot of work with Gallup and empathy is one of the strengths that they chart. And mine is like low bottom of my list, like literally bottom <laughs> of my list. And so yeah. it's funny because like I, you know, I work with clients who have really high empathy and I watch how they naturally mm. absorb and, and, and instantly feel like so genuine, so much genuine emotion for yeah. someone else, especially if they're going through something tough. And I watch that and I'm like, wow, that's so cool, really? But like, I don't, <laughs> it's a very intellectual kind of exercise. And so yeah. when I was actually going through coaching, the, the first time I went to take my, my final, I got dinged because like you weren't empathetic enough. Wow. And the irony was I was, my, that coaching session was with someone that I actually do feel an abnormal amount of empathy for, but I just wow. wasn't good enough job of expressing it. And it's a really hard thing, I think, to understand sort of mm. what, to your point, right? What does empathy really mean to you yeah. and as a coach? Because, you know, you know, we, we've all worked with different coaches who mm -hmm. have very like soft and maternal kind of like, yep. and it's like, I can't stand those. Can't stand exactly. Those. And the thing is like, I think they're amazing people, but that's not the right coach for me. Like at all. Yeah, if somebody wants that in a coach, they're not going to come to me at all mm -mm. or you, right? And that's, mm -mm. and that's one of those things though, but that doesn't mean we can't be empathetic. It just means that, that we have a different way. For sure. For sure. That. And I love that point because to your original question, right? Shame requires empathy. You have to give somebody space to work through that stuff. Yeah. So you teed up giving someone permission not to have sympathy but empathy for right? themselves or like themselves themselves which yeah. is so hard yeah right because because again so you fight am i rationalizing this or am i being empathetic to myself right because again it could spiral out of control if it's if you're being ah what was me again we know from energy leadership coaching it's that that catabolic get out of your get out of your own way type of stuff and then you transition anger and 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 get out of that to that higher level of okay how is this serving me what what am i missing out on as a result of me staying here 
once you identify this stuff, how can we begin to move through it? And one of the biggest things that I always tell people about my journey and my story of transition is I had to give myself permission to be great at every facet of life, not just compartmentalized success that I was happy with, I was cool with, but now permission across the board. That's so hard. And for me, that's actually probably the greatest. And Brene Brown actually, again, talks about this as like the work of middle age, right? The, the redefining and reinventing and realizing that your old priorities don't necessarily serve you anymore. They, you know, you were, you were putting all your energy over here and it turns out actually over here might be more meaningful. And, you know, and I think it's so hard to grant yourself that permission yeah. back to being empathetic with yourself. You know, when I, when I left the country to go traveling around Latin America, you know, early, last year, it's the thing I had wanted to do since I was like six years old. Like, wow. seriously, I like, I used to watch Remington Steel and be like, oh, I want to do that. I just want to like travel the world and like, you know, do all, do whatever I want and be completely yeah. free all the time. Like, and I got this like six-year-old fantasy in my head and I spent, you know, the better part of 40 years chasing it. And then when I got on the road, I felt lonely and I was like, where the hell did that come from? Like, no, 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 no. Through, through, man. You're gonna, you're gonna do. You, you got rid of almost everything you owned. You sold the yeah. car club. You gave up your home. Like you left the country. You did everything. You arranged your business so you could travel. You are traveling, goddammit, it, and you are not gonna stop. And like I did that for like six months, and I'm like, I finally I was like, what am I proving to whom? Like, dude. Yeah. I want to go home and like be back in like a space where I can build community and have those relationships. I had to actually be empathetic with the fact that the goal and the reality did not match. Wow. Because I accomplished the goal. I did what I needed to do to hit the goal, but the goal wow. wasn't. Man, you, so what I love about that and I'll, and I'm just be honest, I don't know if I was the only one out there that I was loving every last one of your pictures, every last one of your updates in that six months period. And I was like, and the crazy part about it is you talk about being lonely in a relationship. Oh, oh my God, that would be a great place for me and my wife to go. Oh my God, that's another good place for me and my wife to go. But when you first told me that about that feeling, but everybody else, oh man, Allura's living her best life. But then you, if you're, if you're not being authentic, if you're not living your true self, you like, you know what? I can continue doing this because maybe I'll get to happiness. Maybe I'll get to happiness because who else has this opportunity, right? And the rationalization keeps coming right back around. And, and what the funny things is whose life are you living? And, and again, in shame and bringing that back around to empathizing and holding that space for yourself is authenticity is giving yourself permission to be really who you are. Right. And again, that is some, that's some really, really foundational work that you got to do. You got to lay yourself a solid foundation. And had you not done that work years ago, you would still be traveling your tail around the world. And that's, I think the thing that I keep, I keep coming back to is, oh my, yeah. and it's, it's what I love about working with you and everybody else yeah. that we got the chance to meet because yeah. I cannot imagine what that six months of figuring out that, yeah. no, this actually is not what I thought it would be if we hadn't, if we hadn't done all the work that we had been doing. And it yeah. was just, it was so much of the right work at the right time and nice. meeting the right people that helped challenge me and help like, yeah. you know, I had somebody two years ago say, 
doesn't sound like you're in the habit of being very empathetic with yourself. And that was just on the eve of my whole like life falling apart and me tearing everything down. And, and that, that line has been in my head so many times because right. Like I never had any empathy for myself at all. I had goals, checklists, I had shit that needed to get done. I had match and I had a dog to feed and I had stuff to do, but I had no, for me Uh or anybody else. And it's really tough to make that space. So I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Say I'm starting out, right? What does that work look like from the beginning? Experimenting. I think when I work, especially when I work with um, like new grads or about to graduate, just youngins who have like an idea yeah. and some of them have um, a lot of pressure from family or, you know, finance, their own financial need or whatever to go out and find a job and build a career and like be successful. Yeah. And they're not, um, they're not yet aware that, you know what, you gotta, you gotta try this. And if yeah. that doesn't work, be okay, switching gears and trying that. And yeah. then you and like, because the thing is, is that how many things did you have to sort of taste test before you knew whether you liked them or not? Exactly. And if wow. you stick with the thing you started after, how do you know, you don't know what you don't know? For sure. For sure. It's a, no, that's, well, a, that's the whole thing, right? Exactly. It's a, how do you know what you don't know until yeah. you try stuff? But again, to your point, that's why it's important to be so empathetic with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're going to fall on your... Say it again. Fall on <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Oh was, my God. It was, like, it was like the video you just posted on, on Instagram yesterday, right? Yeah. You gotta be comfortable with being uncomfortable. 100 percent 100 There was one thing that I could go back and tell 24-year-old Delora, it would be girl, figure out how to be comfortable being uncomfortable because yeah. I so committed to being comfortable. I was comfortable at work. I wasn't comfortable dating. I wasn't comfortable in my personal life. I wasn't comfortable coming up with making good choices in that side of my life. Yeah. Work was easy. It gratified, you know, my ego. It was it was a place to stay focused and I could compartmentalize that and ignore and neglect everything else. Yes. So you you and again you tell you reference that video I posted yesterday because I've I'm I'm rereading Dare to Lead. Um, and right at the beginning in the intro, Brene just swings and hits you in the face with the bat talking about comfort being the epitome of privilege and just, I mean, and again, that line, I had to sit, I'm like, cause before, you know, you read it like just to digest it. Ah, I read it. Yeah. It's great book. But now I'm like, Oh my God, where's that note at? I didn't write that down the first time I read this. Like she's right. Like, how dare you say you want more, say you want to be successful, and you're not willing to do the work, right? You're not willing to show up every single day and face what needs to be faced to be what you need to be for this world. And one of my fears in life is not being in position to help someone because I got comfortable. Hmm. That's okay. So that is a truly awesome awesome thing to hear. So I, um, you know, I'm in a new relationship and, and, you know, the guys, he's, he's awesome. And I'm, you know, really happy, but he was talking about how, um, you know, there were things that he's kind of 
worried about telling me. Like he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily want to tell me that I'm wrong about something. Like he's, he's, he's getting the hang of me and trying to figure out like what's going to be not. And I, I stopped him and I said, look, I said, just to be clear, I said, my goal in life is to get better at at anything, at everything, at all things. Like it's, it's a state of constant That is my objective. So as long as I believe that in the well-intentioned nature of your feedback, I'm not going to freak out or, you know, completely like take your head off or anything else. I said, if I have reason to doubt your intent, then we might start finding ourselves in some emotionally com- you know, complicated frame. But I, I don't have a reason to doubt that you are well-intentioned in your feedback. So I would rather know, and I would rather just trust that you have my back and that yeah. you that your interests are mine and that, you know, it's to help me get better at whatever it is I'm trying to do. And he looked at me, he's like, wow, that's so refreshing. (laughs) (laughs) So, but here's, but that's a real thing for people, right? Whether it's in personal relationships at home or at work where we spend a lot of time with people, right? And it's who's, who has permission. But it gets back to your original question because a lot of times what people are reacting to is shame. So somebody pointed, your partner pointed something out and it's a shame trigger for you. And all of a sudden you explode and they're just like, dude, I was just trying to help. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Or you, or to his point is, no, that went wrong last time I did that. Right. And not know and not take accountability and responsibility to be present in the current relationship. Right. And, And so for people out there, that's a bias when a, a scenario presents itself and you use those context clues and all that other stuff that kept you safe and it was successful in the past, I'm gonna use that in this relationship, in this moment. You just robbed yourself of the opportunity to stay present. Right, and so what's, and again, this is to me so, like such an awesome thing, you know, I'm yeah. like 45 next week. I never thought I would be this happy at this point in my life, but it's because of stuff like this, right? It's because yeah. I wouldn't have had this conversation with, in fact, I didn't, I didn't yeah. have, conversation when I was starting to see someone when I was younger like it never would have occurred I didn't have the language for it even if I even if I had thought about it like I didn't have the ability to articulate it and so for us to you know be sitting out on on the patio watching the sunset you know and like have this conversation was god getting older is just there's so many things that I they're amazing gems that I never imagined ever imagined yeah, and I, and I would and I would say, um, Alora, in this in this time today, of all of this internet and all these opportunities to share the gifts of life and and just the the nuggets that life has given you, I think it's a responsibility of ours to lay it out there for people and as coaches, as leaders of people, to show them what getting comfortable with being uncomfortable looks like. It's the vulnerability of it all to where, yes, I can be humble, open, and transparent every single day. And it doesn't have to sound like the National Enquirer. Like, it, it, it's my mess, but I could lay it out for you in, in such a way that it hits you where you are, and you get some nuggets from it, and you can live your life at a better pace and actually increasing capacity. Because for us, we have more to learn. We have more to experience. And if we keep hoarding all the other crap, we, we actually don't even create capacity and room for ourselves to learn new stuff. And so I, I love just, you want it? I give it, I give it, give it, give it, give it. 
right? And so I love that you created this platform for us to just uh-huh. give and get it out of us because shame for me, it's a fun topic. <laughs> Good. So, so you're the one who actually hopes you sit next to Brene Brown on an airplane. So. Yes. Oh my God. Let, hey, put it out there. Put it out. Put it out there in the spheres. I want to sit next to Brene Brown in, on the airplane for like the longest flight across country. Like that's what I want. Like I, I'm, I would veg out. Get, oh my God. I'd be like, oh my God. Can we talk about shame and vulnerability the whole time? Right? Just like, oh, oh my God. That would be, man. I wouldn't like. Do you have to get off the plane? Can we talk? <laughs> You'd be carrying her, carrying her bags and kids. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, dude. I don't know where you're going, but uh, I'm on vacation. So great talking to you. All right. All right. Yeah. What was I going to say that? I'll go meet you on the beach in the morning. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That would be all time. That's bucket list. That's up there. Uh, with, with, I got about three other people on that list too, but Brene Brown's, she's definitely at the top. Her work has been transformational for me. I like, yeah, I don't know where my, I don't know. I don't, I cannot imagine the last two years of transforming everything about my life without coming back to her work over and over. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So if you had to wrap this up, you would say what about our time together as we talked about shame? Well, A, that I always love talking to you. I also <laughs> love the fact that you picked a topic that has so many tentacles in so many directions. And it, I mean, it, it everything yeah. comes back to it, right? It doesn't, shame is, is, as Brittany Brown always says, it's universal. Like we all experience it. We all, it shows up you know, in every aspect of all of our lives in one way. Yeah. And and if you don't learn to deal with your own, mm-hmm. you just you just inflict it on other people, which is sure. A, unfortunate and uncool. Yeah. But also doesn't help you get it under control. I mean, you're gonna be yeah. its bitch if you do that. And you will you will be stuck like that yeah. for and that is that doesn't sound like fun to me at all. At all. At all. I mean another hard word to put on it is you you become slave to it. And, and you begin giving it the best parts of you um, and which leaves no room for anybody else. And, and so you've got to call this stuff out. Yeah, absolutely. And that is so, so true. And I, when I look back when I was younger, I see the points in my life when I did exactly that. Mm. And they were the points at which I felt like I had the fewest options and I was mm. not in control of my circumstances or I couldn't take control of my circumstances enough. And it was because I, I was so driven by specific shame triggers and allowing other people to sometimes to deliberately just poke that bear um, yeah. completely. I mean, I ended up being a puppet and that's really what happened. Like you turn into a puppet wow. for someone else to be able to manipulate. If you don't figure out how to just tear this stuff apart for yourself and really dig into it. Man, that's awesome. Golly. Thank you, Alora, for uh-huh. coordinating this greatness. Uh, well, I am totally loving the idea of doing this on a regular basis. So we will plan same time next week. We might try switching up to YouTube, see if that, yeah. that works. Yep. We'll kick it around either way. I love getting the chance to do this. And I am coming up with an awesome topic for you next week. And we're Thank you. That sounds good. I love, I love this verbal combat. Me too. It's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. All right, my friend, thank you so much. And I hope you have a fantastic evening. All right. You as well, Laura. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.